You're about to listen to episode 46 of Women Who Kill. If you like the show, don't forget to stop by Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes. Leave a rating, leave a review. It helps a lot, helps new people find the show. The more people find it, the longer I can keep doing this. And uh, as always, if you want to support with your dollars, stop by patreon.com slash kaichoice. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash k-a-i-c-h-o-y-c-e. Join the Women Who Illuminati. Get free things, access to bonus content, uh, the archives of the show with no ads. That's where you'll find those. And our guest today is a very funny comedian and a clinical psychologist specializing in teens. And let me say this, it's our Valentine's Day episode as well. And that will make sense when we get into it. Tanya Knox. Hi, thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming over. Now there's a cat on your lap? There certainly is. She's part of it too now. I understand she's the podcat. Yeah. Ow. Ninja the podcat. I got to put ninja on t-shirts. So today we're going to be talking about the Parker Hulma. I don't know. Hulma. I, I, I think it's Hume, but I'm not exactly Hulma. sure. Murder. The Parker Hulma murder. Most notably, they use the story for Heavenly Creatures, which is a 1994 film by Peter Jackson. Yeah. Starring Kate Winslet and the lesser known Melanie Linsky. Whatever happened to Melanie Linsky? I saw her in an HBO drama that only had one season. Um, I don't even remember the name, though. Oh. But she was good. She was good. I was like, I know I love this person. I can't figure out why. Uh Then she was upset one scene. And I was like, yes, you killed your mom. (laughs) The murder took place on June 22nd, 1954. Which, by the way, happens to be my birthday. Really? I mean, not 1954, but June 22nd, yes. Okay, I was going to say, wow, you, you, don't, you don't look 60. I, I mean, I, they, I believe that the women are both 81 now. Yeah. But I think at that case, I would have been 65. Uh-huh. But yeah, so no, I, I, that's always made it have a special place in my heart for that reason. Uh-huh. So these two girls were named Pauline Parker. And Juliet Hume is how I'm going to say it from now on. I mean, she is still alive, Juliet Hume. She lives in L.A., and so if she has an issue with this, she can contact you directly. <laughs> she, yeah, luckily she's too old to do anything about oh, it. I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> I guess we can start from the beginning. I suppose so. Pauline and Juliet became friends because they went to school together. I guess to set a little bit of context here, this is in This is in New Zealand in the in the late forties. They became friends, they went to school together, but primarily they bonded on how ill they both were. Right. <laughs> so Pauline Parker had osteomyelitis, which is a horribly painful bone disease. Uh-huh. And Hulme had tuberculosis. And so they both bonded on being these young teen girls who were going through these medical tragedies that other people couldn't relate to at the time. And uh, they threw themselves into well, they were they were weird. They were also they, weird they were kids. Also weird they were kids. sick little weird kids. <laughs> yes. Okay, that is also fair. They they were as well as being medically ill, a bit a bit socially off. Uh-huh. And probably weren't able to relate to other kids as well as they were relate to each other. Right. And they they ended up creating this whole fantastical world between them, including kind of their own religion and their own idea of have heaven and spirituality, um part of which they obtained by lesbian sex. Well, that is debatable. Is it? Uh, They maintain to this day that they were not lesbians. That's true. They maintain to this day that they were not lesbians, but they do admit that they had a sexual relationship. Mm. But it is true that that it is is debatable and that we only have um, Juliet's side of the story here. Right. 
Pauline had a working class family. Juliet's family was pretty well off. Yeah. Her dad was a physicist. Right. And they were born, she was born in London. Mm-hmm. Her mom, what did her mom do? Well, it's it's the 40s, so. Okay. I would say that her mom was married to a physicist. I'm going to say, yes, that her mother was Mrs. Physicist. Uh-huh. And, and maybe didn't um, talk as in-depth with her daughter as she may have about murder. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, this is all happening in uh, Christchurch. Right, yeah. Which is such sort of an ironic name for such a bizarre series of events that yeah. ended up transpiring. Especially for that time where so much of this was about the, sort of the salacious details of it. Right. So when they hung out, they, as we said earlier, kind of created a fantasy life together. So they wrote books, they wrote plays, they wrote stories. Their parents became concerned that they were getting too close. Right. Well, and they're, yeah, they were concerned they were gay, which was not only illegal at the time, but mm-hmm. also they considered a sign of severe mental illness. Mm-hmm. And so they, prior to this, they had let them go on vacations together, this and that. And after that, they said, no more sleepovers, no more vacations. This is getting a little bit weird for us. Yeah. (laughs) Pauline's mom was a little bit more against their relationship than Juliet's mom was. I think that was the perception, although it seems like it's it's confusing how if you're if you're talking about them kind of what what eventually happened. Mm -hmm. It seems like that the girls were assuming that that Pauline's mom was going to be the holdout. But it's it's not really clear if she was or if there was any reason to believe that. Right. What did happen, though, was Juliet's dad found out that his wife was cheating on him. Right. So they decided to get a divorce. Right. And he was going to pack up Juliet. Right. And uh, move her to South Africa. Right. Right. And partially for her health, I guess. And so the girls were going to be separated. At this point, and I find this just so interesting about teenagers in general, Uh that I think, you know, for an adult, two years away from somebody, it's a terrible thing. But, you know, it wouldn't you wouldn't commit a murder to speed it up. But for these two 15 year old girls, this idea that, you know, they'd be separated for just two, three years. It was worth it for them. I mean, two years is half of high school. That is true. And four years of high school, though, I mean. Four four times how many years has passed since I was in high school, and it seems like it went by really fucking quickly. That's true. But those four years of high school seems like forever. Yeah, that is true. And also thinking about when you're 15, looking back to 13, mm-hmm. that's like a whole other lifetime ago. Yeah. And so for them, they're like, two years? I'll be dead by then. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Something. Uh-huh. And so, so, yeah, so basically Juliet um, was slated to move. The girls thought they would never see each other again. The fourth world would cease to right. exist yeah the fourth world which was their idea of heaven nirvana would cease to exist um for right or wrong they assumed that Juliet's father would let pauline come with them and that right. the only holdout of this would be pauline's mother and not only did they decide to murder pauline's mother they then they then did the sloppiest murder that i think has ever happened in the history of murders <laughs> well first they journaled about it. Right. For weeks leading up of like, here's how we're going to do the murder. We sure are happy about this. If ever <laughs> any, if there's any policeman looking at this, wondering if there's premeditation, <laughs> please continue reading and taking notes. But, and, and they then, called it moiter. Did they? It, they spelled it M-O-I-D-E-R. Uh, wow. I don't know if that's a, if that's a Kiwi thing. I don't know if it's Or a if Kiwi that's thing. just a teenager thing. I mean, they also were so obsessed with these sort of old timey kind of, um, you know, movie stars. Uh-huh. I don't know if they were watching these sort of old crime things of like they got away with Moira or something, <laughs> or they were just sort of trying to be these men that they admired. I don't know, but 
that is that is a funny detail that I wasn't aware of. Uh-huh. And so then on June 22nd, the day of the murder, she titled her journal entry the day of the happy event. Yeah. Lest there l- lest there's any question of her feeling conflicted or or if she wanted to claim she was forced. No. Right. Yeah. So uh, June 22nd, so June 22nd, 1954. June 22nd, 1954. They invite Pauline's mother on a walk. Um, they, they get out of sight of the townspeople. And they, they of course, again, being teenage girls, they, they thought they could hit her once with a brick and it would be over. Right. A brick inside of a stocking. A brick in a stocking. The, the classic, almost Actually, cartoonish. half of a brick in a stocking. Oh, really? Like, oh, this is too heavy. Yeah. <laughs> they probably didn't have the greatest upper body strength in the world, <laughs> let's be honest, the days before steroids. Though like, they did look like pretty sturdy girls in the pictures that I've seen. Did they? Yeah, I check, guess. Uh, check this out. Peter Jackson probably went his own way. Dang. That's that's them at 15 and 16. Oh wow. Is that was that a normal way for girls to dress at that time or are they maybe in the in the 50s, maybe 50s New Zealand or or yeah. a normal way for uh unpopular weird girls yeah. to dress in the 50s? Yeah, yeah. I know, it's I feel like we need that photo like next to like the mean girls in yeah. their class, <laughs> you know, to like get a full understanding. Uh-huh. But yeah, no, they're you could tell they're tough, they're severe. They're like kind of serious. So, yeah, they went they went for a walk uh, with the mom and then uh, they dropped a, a charm bracelet. That's right. And she was like, oh, girls, you, you dropped this pretty little thing. I'm and- not even sure if it was a charm bracelet. I think it may have just been like a little charm. They yeah. like chucked it. And we're like, mom, look, <laughs> it's one of those beautiful charms you love so much. And she was like, ooh, best daughter ever. Yeah. You know? and, and when she bent down, they hit her once with half a brick. And would you believe that doesn't didn't, easily kill a didn't person? Didn't do anything. No. And so then they hit her over 20 times. Over 20 times. Then... They took off running back to the, right. the tea house. Covered in blood. Yeah. Like, like looking just so much like murderers. Yeah. And then saying she fell. Something terrible's happened to mom. She's fallen. Right. Mom fell and hence we're both covered in blood. <laughs> no need to look for a brick that's very close nearby to the body, which has many lacerations to the face and head. And, and then, of course, they found the journal, right. um, which then had any answer they could possibly want from this. So they were arrested pretty much immediately yeah yeah and then this became such a sensationalized court case because of the sexualized element of their relationship Mm -hmm. before the trial uh pauline had been going by uh pauline riper or reaper however you want to say it because her mom had been living with herbert reaper right she had known to be her father right but during the investigation Somehow it, it came to light that they weren't married. Yeah. So that was another sensational aspect of this, especially at that time, mm-hmm. to have two unwed people who had children together. Yeah. And uh, so from that point forward, uh, Pauline and her mom were referred to with the last name Parker. I think it just kind of shows how much sort of ownership and marriage sort of mattered at the time in mm-hmm. a way that even after this woman's death, they'd be like, boo, she was not a legitimized woman, <laughs> boo. Uh-huh. We're going to change a name. Yeah. Yeah. So the girls were convicted pretty quickly because there was clear evidence that the murder was premeditated. Right. So the defense was like, they're crazy. And the prosecution was like, uh, they're just evil lesbians. (laughs) Yeah. It's sort of interesting to me with this case how it's sort of 
I don't know if chicken and the like the chicken and egg, I guess self-fulfilling. It's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy to me in this case, in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Where this idea of if two girls get too close and they're lesbians, and if they're lesbians, then they're psychotic, and if they're psychotic, they might be dangerous. And that that idea kind of lended itself to the truth in a way that these girls. I mean, it is arguable that perhaps their relationship was unhealthy and they may have needed help to connect with other people Mm -hmm. in a healthy way. But accusing them of being lesbians and booing them and ostracizing more, (laughs) Uh obviously not the way to do that. And so so this idea of kind of the evil murderous lesbians was almost not exactly. And they do. Obviously, they did commit this murder, but Mm -hmm. it sort of came out ultimately of the fear of it happening by society. Yeah, because. They only had each other, and because they only right. had each other, people were like, ah, oh, you guys are gross, you're weird. And exactly. They were like, okay, well, we may as well just be extra gross and weird since... <laughs> yeah, we might as well be extra gross and weird. <laughs> and then the, the, the idea of not being with that other person, who was the only other person that kind of accepted them for their, their grossness and their weirdness, as mm-hmm. we're, we're so kindly putting it. Yeah. <laughs> now, it's funny, <laughs> the, it, the movie version of this, I watched this movie for the first time in, in college. Ah, uh, yeah. As I was... Made to watch it for a film class, of course. Sure. So deep. Yeah. And I was... So woke. It was super hot. Well, yes. Which, and then you look look it up later and you're like, oh, they're supposed to be children. Right, right. No, it it is... But it was Kate Winslet. (laughs) It is Kate Winslet. And and, and also, I mean, I first saw it when I was very young, Uh maybe like 13 or 14. And so I didn't really see them as children because to me, I was also a child. Yeah. Like, I was of their age. But, yeah. I mean, to me, I was just so shocked because I had never seen a film up until that point of, of girls just sort of... Committing matricide? Well, com- committing matricide, but just sort of like like kind of having, having sex in this sort of like half throwaway scene. Of, like it wasn't bound. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't this like huge, like, you know, that the music is so, yes, we all love that. Look, if you want to invite me back to do bound, like I am here, man. Like, no, bound changed my, yeah, yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible. But they, they, they sort of did it in this way where obviously it's very pornographic. And when I rewatch it as an adult, I was like, is, am I even supposed to be watching this? Like, yeah, these, are, yeah. these are kids. I feel like a creep. I felt like a creep. Yeah. But, but as a kid, it, it just like, I mean, obviously they didn't go to want to be murderers, which that's problematic. But it sort of was like, this can be sweet, mm-hmm. I felt like. Uh, they were convicted in uh, just over two hours. Uh, that's how long it took the jury to reach a decision. <laughs> and they were supposed to be imprisoned quote unquote, indefinitely. Right, right. I think they, I, I may be wrong about this, but I, I think they even thought about giving them the death penalty, but they were too young. Yeah. 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 Hey, if you're going to commit murder, kids, do it when you're kids. Yeah, no, it's true. Clock's <laughs> ticking. <laughs> Just can't, don't murder people, please kids. Please don't. Oh, God. No, it's, 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 whenever my clients leave, I always think, like, please don't shoot up your school. Oh. Like, I beg you. <laughs> Why would they, would they blame you? Um, the I, cops would come to you and be like, uh, turn over all your records. I, I mean, I'm sure they would. Yeah. And I, I can't imagine that, that it would, it would bode well if there was a school shooter and they're like, they'd been in therapy for a year and a half. <laughs> I'm like, like, wow. You had one that job. Person, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, well, I helped them with their insomnia. <laughs> they did better with their public speaking. <laughs> Hey everybody, this Valentine's Day episode of Women Who Kill is sponsored by Ball Z. A lot of my listeners date guys. Most guys have balls. Let's face it, a lot of straight guys need to get their shit together when it comes to personal hygiene below the belt. You gotta do better than swiping a bar of soap in your crack in the shower like your credit card machine. And that's where Ballsy comes in. Get him a Valentine's Day gift he will actually use. 
Guys, you can even buy this for yourself. No one's going to tell on you. The Your Incredibles box from Ballsy comes with three solid colognes, including a limited edition Valentine's Day scent. It's got no parabens, no sulfates, no synthetic dyes or bullshit ingredients. A lot of customers have purchased this as a gag gift and ended up loving it so much, it's become one of their favorite personal care products because it's high quality, smells great, lasts all day. They've got over 200,000 satisfied customers, and this one is a win-win for both people and the relationship. The retail price of the gift box is $35, but you can get 20% off using the promo code WOMEN20 at BallWash.com. That's the Your Incredibles box from Ballsy, the makers at Ballwash. So uh, for some reason, both the girls ended up only serving five years. Yeah, yeah. Five years each in separate prisons. Yeah, at the uh, Majesty's pleasure. I yeah. Guess, at the Majesty got her pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and there's sort of the, the lore, the old wives' tale, that they were told that they could never speak again. Mm-hmm. But there's no evidence of that. Right. Right. But it, it does seem that, that, they, that they didn't ever speak again. And I feel like that was more, that was more Pauline, Pauline's decision than Juliet's, yeah. I would assume, based I'm, on later information. Sure, sure. I mean, one of, one of the sad things about this case is that we only have Juliet's side of it since Pauline has never spoken about it. All mm-hmm. she's ever done is she's allowed her sister to go to the press and say she sure is sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that was a horrible mistake. And um, she basically, from what I understand, she just, she lives a life as a Roman Catholic. She's, she doesn't. She doesn't want anything to do with any of this anymore. She doesn't talk to people. Right. Yeah, exactly. That she basically lives a life of solitude. Yeah. It seems like Juliet Hume, who now goes by Anne Perry, kind of went the opposite direction. You know, she was sort of very loud and proud about heavenly creatures being about her life. She's uh-huh. published, I think, more than 40 books, uh, just like mystery books. and Over 100. Oh, my gosh. She's published over 100 books, which I definitely know. <laughs> And that it's, it's crazy. She's sort of, she's moved to LA to try to get some of her books into movies. So they've kind of gone sold completely opposite tens ways. Tens of millions of copies of her novels and they're all crime yeah. fiction. Yeah. Quote unquote fiction. I know it, it is, it is very frightening, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> so it, it does make you wonder in a way, like the, the books that they were writing when, when they were in this friendship, how much of that was, was Juliet considering that she became this, mm. you know, very prolific writer. Yeah. Um, I guess there's just so many fantasies you can kind of, you know, come up with about who these girls were and, Uh you know, did one of them convince the other one or, you know, I don't anything or certainly about the romantic aspect of their relationship, which does seem to be sort of what survived about them. Although I agree with you that I think that was probably, and it seems from what, what, at least from what Juliet said, that that was not a big part of their relationship. Now, they both ended up changing their names uh, because uh, apparently that's something that uh, yeah. you're allowed to do there. Uh, you're also allowed, they, at this point in time, they were still allowed to profit off of their crimes. Which, really? I mean, uh, Juliet did. That's true. Uh, though maybe it's because she, she had to come here to do it. Yeah. Uh, well, she also became it, a Mormon. Yeah, that's true. So she's been a Mormon for some time, which is, as a not religious person, it was an interesting to see that, that both of them went so far into religion. Yeah, since 68. So she was around 30 yeah. when she became a Mormon. From what I could see from looking it up, I didn't see any evidence of either of the women getting married, having families. Um, 
You think they're still both secret lesbians? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I, it's just sort of interesting. I mean, I, I feel like now I'm being guilty of the very thing that we're complaining about, <laughs> of like people kind of making that into uh -huh. sort of more of the story. But I guess it's not so much about secret lesbians of just wondering after you go through something like that, you know, you, you murder somebody or you're known as this, you know, psychotic teen, if you would be able to kind of find love and intimacy with anybody, you know, like just not necessarily gay, straight, whatever, but just yeah. be able to kind of settle down and have a family life. I think Juliet slash Anne is uh, married to the game. What? She's married to the game. Wait, what? She's, uh, her novels. Oh, okay. Not the rapper. I was, I was like going to leave for a second. I was like, <laughs> I am not worthy of this podcast. Like if I somehow missed that, then I, I need to go. <laughs> <laughs> so they're both, uh, they're both in their 80s now. Yeah. It's frustrating about this story, too, because not only do we not get Anne's point of view about mm -hmm. it, but since they were so insulated and they were just such weirdos, we don't really get anybody else's point of view about it. They didn't have other friends to be like, oh, yeah, well, when they talked about True. this, you know, that, that they just kind of had, they were it. That was just their little world. And parents are, are long gone. Yeah. Parents are, it seems, it seems them, obvious. Even the ones who weren't murdered. That's true. The other ones caught up eventually. <laughs> it, seems, it seems clear that these girls probably were not that close to their parents right. if, if this was, was going on with it. I mean, they both spent half of their, most of their childhood, uh, well, Pauline spent most of her childhood at Juliet's house. Right. And Juliet spent most of her childhood either at boarding schools or abroad, right. quote unquote, because it was better for her health. But sure. I think maybe her parents were like, let's just get her out of the house we don't know how to i think i think relate so to her. well paulina ended up changing her name to hillary nathan oh that's right uh, she spent a little bit of time in new zealand and as soon as the conditions allowed it she took off to england she spent a little bit of time running a, a children's uh horseback riding school <laughs> which Gosh. i think if you're committed of murder yeah you shouldn't be allowed to work with kids <laughs> Well, she murdered a parent, not a kid. <laughs> the kids would probably like they'd slip her a 20. Like, hey, my mom's in the car. I'll be on the horse, okay? <laughs> like, just make it fucking happen. That was funny when I, like I told you before, when I was trying to, I was telling my six-year-old daughter that I was going to do a podcast. I'm like, about crime? They didn't do anything interesting. Oh, you didn't, didn't say murder? Well, I just, I thought it was, it would be sort of ironic to tell my own daughter that like, hey, guess what? You can murder your mom. <laughs> it can happen. Just don't write it in your diary. You'd probably get away with it. Yeah. I mean, most kids probably don't even consider that as a possibility. Hopefully not. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like it's going to take 20 blows, but half a brick will do it. <laughs> they grow up and they're like, oh, you can do that? Yeah. Huh. Who I, knew? A, an interesting part of this case too, I find is I can, I can understand, I think, you know, when you're a teenager, you can just create, and I'm not even talking about the actual like world they created with their saints and the dimensions, but mm -hmm. just every, all teenagers. And you can just kind of create this alternate reality in your mind, just that this, this crazed world that just sort of. It's you against the world. It's and you everything against is the life world. or death. Everything's life or death. And you draw these crazy connections with things that don't really make sense. Or you feel like everything is like, oh my gosh, that, you know, that plane crashed because of me. Or you just, I don't know, just like weird. That's why all the best pop singers are like, 15 yeah when exactly. they blow up because uh like the rest chutzpah. of us feel so self-conscious yeah. and like self-indulgent like, and stupid yeah they're like well, thinking my, that way 
Exactly. Exactly. They're stupid enough to make it, you know, yeah. they're, they're, and so, but I feel like, you know, I feel like most of us have, have some collection of memories of being a teen where, you know, you go too far with something yeah. and then you're like, holy shit, I've, I've made a huge mistake, uh -huh. you know? And I, I have to picture these two 15 year old girls with this brick where one of them had hit this mom, you know, and I, that she's screaming or she's just like, Hey, what, what the fuck, you know, or something. Yeah. And it's, it is an interesting moment to me. I feel like probably most 15-year-old girls would throw the brick back and be like, oh, my God, we don't know what happened. That, uh -huh. that would sort of be the moment yeah. of, like, this is really scary. My mom is bleeding. Like, this is real. Mm -hmm. like, and that they didn't do it. That To me, that's, like, a really interesting. Now, who finished, finished the job? Uh, I, I only back. know from the film, and that's not fair. Let me, let me double check. Pauline did most of the dirty work. Yeah. Uh, and then at some point brick flew out of the stocking i wish that one of these women or my clients i would love to like hear about like these i mean i'm sure they wouldn't whenever i have a client it's very difficult to get a client to actually talk about their trauma but assuming that these two women in their 80s would love to talk about this thing that happened yeah to just get it off their chest yeah like you know what i've decided now is the time time to go into the palisades and just chat with you yeah i would just love to hear about sort of that moment that like the brick flew out of the stuff you know just these things just uh -huh. seems so crazy that i mean to have that happen at any age it seems like it'd be difficult to process but especially 15 where you're kind of putting together just like the way that reality works and mm -hmm. that this is sort of just going into like just sort of your basic idea of the world of like well when you hit somebody so many times with a brick it might fly out of the stocking yeah I mean, just i wonder why they didn't just poison yes or something I wonder why they didn't just poison. I also why I wonder why they didn't run up to town and say my mother was bludgeoned with a brick. A crazed man oh, yeah. bludgeoned her with a brick. The evidence is plentiful. If yeah, you go we have down no idea there. who it is. What we he looks chased like. him off. We were so scared. We yeah, couldn't exactly. tell. Yeah, we we ran away screaming. Yeah, I mean it's it it seems obvious to me. Now, also, she the mom didn't die until the next day. Oh God. So I am wondering if maybe they were a hundred percent implicated because she was able I to mean, tell someone or my, if she was just in a coma i think then... she was in a coma although she wasn't dead i don't get the sense she was like mm -hmm. like alive in a meaningful way mm -hmm. um i think it was finding the, the diary yeah i mean it already was like looked suspicious i mean that like, she clearly did not fall 20 times on her head yeah <laughs> <laughs> and hit it on sharp object every time now i wonder if if this had happened today if there if the die what the diary would have been would it have been, been like a, a facebook post or like snap snapchat story snapchat <laughs> stories like you know like pictures of the, the like here we are with the brick like <laughs> with the fucking cat ears on yeah exactly <laughs> yeah exactly with like the little captions on it <laughs> Like, Some stupid emojis. How many bricks does it take? <laughs> yeah, they got the emo oh god, the emojis. Yeah. Uh, so apparently, when they were arrested, uh, a, a cop overheard one of the girls kind of laughing about how many blows it took Honora to die. I know this was the fifties, but I don't know if I even believe what cops said then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. mean, maybe they did. You know, it could be that they were just kind of like, oh god. Well, it was like, a lady cop, so yeah. I don't know if that changes anything. If that makes a, a, a cop slightly more trustworthy. It, it does to me a little bit, but I don't, I don't know if that's like good or bad. Because right? <laughs> <Like, laughs> my understanding is we're saying all cops are. Yeah, pretty much. Also, I mean, I feel like, you know, cop or not, like 
when when you have even like a walk on role in this much of a salacious story, uh-huh. I feel like it will be hard not to try to like, you know, put something to play up in. your part yeah, in it so that you, you know, end up in the history books. Exactly, you know, because you you want just a moment in the paper of mm-hmm. you know. Then Officer Shelley said that they were laughing about. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Maybe they were. I don't know. I'm kind of defensive of these girls. Like, obviously, they did a, a terrible, like, senseless thing. But I uh-huh. feel like almost because it was so senseless, I do have some pity for them. I'm like, okay, you were children. Yeah. Like this, almost it wasn't. I mean, it was careless. It was incredibly narcissistic. It was stupid. It was psychotic. In a way, it wasn't really vengeful or you weren't even trying to be mean. You're just you're just children. Now, what's wild is uh, Ann Perry didn't move to Hollywood until 2017. I know. She was like 79. She's like, okay, finally, it's time. I think my skin's (laughs) thick enough to take it. I'm going in. She's so ambitious. She is. Yeah. I want to maybe I can get her on the podcast. I know. Please do. Yeah. (laughs) She can refute all of our things. Oh, I should see if I can look her up. I've, she would probably love it. She would love the publicity. She, you, you could be right. You could like kind of, you should do it saying you're going to interview her about one of her other books uh-huh. and then be like, by the way, no big deal. <laughs> no big deal at all. I mean, just happened to pop into my mind just now. <laughs> she used to be known as Julia. What's that about? <laughs> yeah. You know, so I mean, I'm sure you've made mistakes when you were 15. You can start with that and be like, so what about you? You know, so that's how I ended up failing chemistry. Now, anyway, I shoplifted uh, from a, a Ralph's once. Right. That was crazy. Did you do anything crazy when you were a teenager? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I don't speak to shoplifters. That's just, I have morals. Okay, Kai. I'm, I'm, no. <laughs> so that is the story of the Parker Hume murder can i add one more thing absolutely okay the only thing i wanted to add is um juliet now says that part of why she feels that she committed the murder was because of the medication that she was on for her tuberculosis what medication was that i'm not sure penicillin or something (laughs) i don't i don't think penicillin but (laughs) i mean certainly especially at the time and even now there are a lot of medications that are just chock full of amphetamine so Mm -hmm. i don't know if maybe she felt like (laughs) you think she was on meth Maybe. I mean, it's possible. But so she, she says that she feels it's unfair that wasn't allowed in the trial. Hmm. But Is she still on it? Is that why she's such a prolific writer? <laughs> yeah, she's like, now I got my dosing right. It's great. It's great. It's great. But at the time, I was coming down. It was a fucked up time. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any, uh, anything that you want people to know about coming up or oh, anything to plug? Not really. You can visit my website if after this you want to come chat with me about Ooh. therapeutic issues. You yeah. can certainly go there. Right. If you have some, uh, if you have some surf, your kids are out of control. If your kids are out of control, they won't talk to you about it anymore. Maybe uh-huh. they want to talk to me. Uh, what's your What's your website? www.drtanyajacob.com. D R T A N Y A J A C O B dot com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me. Thank you. This was fun. Thank you. I thought it was fun too. You just listened to episode 46 of Women Who Kill. If you want to send me an email, send that on over to wwkpodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to see me do stand-up in LA, I'll be around this week. You can find all of that information uh, on my website. Thanks again for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week.